Welcome to the Coast Talk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nick Swinmurn, otherwise known as Coast Talk. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur. Whether it's sports, tech, food, fitness, I've got a bunch of passions. I've also been fortunate enough to invest in some of my favorite sports teams. Along the way, I've met a bunch of great people, whether athletes, entrepreneurs, executives, and we hope to dive into their stories on our show. You'll hear backstories, successes, and failures throughout our discussions. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy listening to the show. This is Coast Talk Talk. Welcome to Coast Talk Talk. Today, we're joined by Brian Zingai, a former Olympian and co-founder of Athlete Plus. Brian, uh, welcome to the show. Excited to, uh, excited to have this conversation. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me today. Um, I'm excited. Awesome. Thanks for not telling anyone. That was my third take because I tried a little comedy on the first two, which uh, backfired spectacularly. So um, we usually like to start with uh, a little background. Uh, it could be as far back, kind of, you know, where you're from, where you grew up, anything else you think is interesting to kind of kick off that uh, the conversation. No, absolutely. Um, so my name is Brian Guy, As Nick said, um, I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. Lived there for 18 years of my life, and I came to the U.S. about 22 years ago on an athletic and academic scholarship. Um, my first two years in college was spent um, in a little town in Kirksville, Missouri, at Truman State University. Um, it's kind of crazy because when you come from Africa, right, you have this sort of version of what the U.S. looks like. And I recall coming off the train and just looking around, I'm like, where the hell am I? And... Uh, <laughs> You know, that's where I spent my freshman and sophomore year and then um, transferred to Florida State. And I and I graduated from FSU in um, 05. And yeah, you know, and then my journey um, with other things um, just sort of came about. But yeah, yeah but I've been in the U.S. for 22 years now. Nice. So what, what were you expecting? Like, I mean, was L.A., New York? Like, what, was that kind of what you thought the whole country looked like or? I mean, I was expecting all of that, right? I mean, seeing that I flew into Chicago and I saw like the, you know, like the glitz and the glamour for about um, like an hour and a half, and then I had to get on a train. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's it's always what you see on TV and, and you expect things to be like that. And Kirksville was a different experience, but a good experience. Yeah. And how did that, how did that come about? Like what, what, um, what was that process and, and what made you want to make that, um, make that move? So um, to sort of, if you need to understand how I even got there, um, so when I finished high school, I had the, the, the option of joining my sisters in London. And I did want to do that because I wanted to sort of set, sort of set my own path. Um, and in December of, of 99, um, my mom was in the UK and my sisters were trying to get me to come over. And I said no. And then I had the option of going to university in South Africa, like most of my peers, but by the time my parents said yes, which for my dad, he sort of waited for my mom to come back from England, um, it, it was too late. So I then started the process of applying to schools in the U.S. And I actually got a, a partial academic scholarship to, you know, Truman State University. And um, um, tuition back then was about $7,000. And I remember it was a $3,000 scholarship. And I just got on the phone and I called the track coach. I'm like, listen, I used to run in high school. This is what I ran. Can I get some money? And he gave me some money. That was that. And that's how I ended up going to this unknown place in, uh, in the middle of um, Missouri. And that's what, I, that's what I called home for two years. What made you, like, how did you pick that school? Was it a, did it have a good track program? Was it like, how did you hear about it? Um, I, I bumped into one of my good friends at a New Year's Eve party. And she told me about this place. And she said, you should um, apply. And I applied. Um, and I mean, one thing you got to understand is that when you've never been to the U.S., there's no difference between L.A. and um, Missouri and North Dakota. It all sounds the same to you. So I was kind of like, yeah, I just want to get out of here and I, and I just want to go there and I'll figure it out once I get there. So that's all that's all that happened. Nice. So now you're um, you're at college. You're in the U.S. Your family is in Zimbabwe and London. Correct. How are you feeling about the move once you got here? Like, are you, are you like, this is what I've been waiting for? Or you're like, what have I done? Um, you know, it, 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 it's, it definitely wasn't, it wasn't, there, there wasn't much of a sort of fear factor because I went to like boarding school, but boarding school, boarding school for me was different because I, I used to go home every weekend. 
So hmm. it's like living in a big city and going home every weekend. So it was boarding school, but I was home every weekend. So be so being away from home wasn't such a big deal for me. Um, I think um, the sort of big difference was the fact that now I had to get a job because I had to help pay for my room and board. I think that was the bigger challenge. And I sort of laugh about how I, I lasted about a week at my first job. And um, I... What was know, that job? Uh, so I was working for Sodexo in the kitchen and I was working from 6 p.m. until 10 p.m. washing dishes and, mm. you know, sort of coming from class, track practice and being on your feet for four hours every day was definitely challenging. So, um, yeah, that, that <laughs> only lasted about one week. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you got here, so with track, did you, what was your, what were your aspirations? Like, like how good were you? How good did you think you were? And what were, was it like your, your, your primary focus or it was say, I'm good at this, but I don't know how far I want to take it. So <laughs> when I was in high school, track was something that I did. It was nothing that I did beyond like the school season, right? There's just a lot of people that took part in, in club programs and different sports, but I never did that. So for me, track was just a way for me to get a free education. Like that was it. I had no aspirations to be um, an Olympic athlete to take the next, the next level. I just, was running track because it was going to be a way for me to get through school and get a free education. Um, and, um, yeah. And, um, and I, I think that, I think that sort of mindset is what took the pressure away, right? The pressure away from it, you know, cause you get like a lot of people that do stuff and say, I want to go to, I, I want to go to the NFL. I have to go to the NFL. Right. Yet yeah. We, we all know that 1% of people actually make it. And it takes you away from having fun or enjoying the actual process. Um, and, you know, that's a lesson that I hold true to even up to today when I'm going through stuff where if I'm not having fun doing it and there's too much pressure, it's not worth me doing it. Yeah. I kind of have the same thing with like, I always have lots of ideas and I, and I like to start projects. And a lot of times I wish I could just stop the next step which is like getting so excited that I think, ooh, how can I turn this into a business? You know, and it's like, hey, why can't, why can't you just keep it as a hobby? You know, why is it, why, why, you know, because as soon as you put that pressure of like, can this be a business? You start looking at your fun hobby differently. And Absolutely. I end up at least like, you know, not pursuing it for as long because I'm, I'm comparing it to other things. So yeah, yeah. it's interesting. So why, uh, why the move to Florida State? Yeah, um, that's another great question. So um so at Truman State, um, I was on a partial academic and a partial athletic scholarship. And after my freshman year, I had broken school records. I was ranked top 10 in the 100-meter dash and the 20-meter dash on a NCAA level, Division II, because Truman State was a Division II school. Um, so the summer of my freshman year, um, I was leaving for the UK to go and work. And again, I was on a partial scholarship, so I still had to pay for room and board. And I walked into my coach's office a couple of days before when I was leaving. And I said to him, listen, coach, um, I'm not coming back next year. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, my parents can't afford to send me money for, you know, room and board anymore. Right. And um, Zimbabwe back then had hyper the infl inflation. So it was really difficult for my parents to actually be sending me money to help me with my room and board. So, before walking to his office, I didn't have a plan. When I walked in, I said to him, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'm moving to New Jersey to live with my uncle, and he'll at least pay for my room and board. I didn't have an, an uncle in New Jersey. And, <laughs> and and Coach Schneider called me the next day and offered to pay for my room and board for, for my sophomore year. Hmm. Right. So, um, you know, it was a white lie, but it helped me to get what I needed. Um, which I deserved, which I deserved. Let me point that out. I deserved that 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 um, additional funding. Um, so so I went to the UK that summer. Worked um, that summer, made some money, came back, and um, my sophomore year, right, I was at a point where I was trying to replicate what I did my freshman year, right. So this sort of goes back to like what I said, where it it wasn't fun anymore and I was trying too hard because all of a sudden people were telling me that I was good. Right. Whereas when I was running my, you know, freshman year, I was just running cluelessly without knowing sort of the, the, the impact or, or what my times meant. 
But all of a sudden, all, all of a sudden, the stuff started coming into play. Now I'm putting a lot of thought into every race. Mm. And, um, and I didn't run well my sophomore year. I didn't run near as well as I did in my freshman year. And I just thought to myself, maybe it's just time for a change just to do something different. And when a place like Florida State starts knocking on your door, and you're thinking Missouri, Snow, and Tallahassee, Florida, right? There, 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 there wasn't much of a it's much of an option there, right? Um, yeah. And I felt comfortable about FSU because one of the coaches there, um, is, and his name is Ken Honden, was a former Zimbabwean athlete who, um, who was a, a volunteer coach there. And there was a certain level of comfortability around going to Tallahassee, um, even though Florida State on paper wasn't a top-tier track program. It definitely wasn't. Um, so yeah. it was more about just I, I felt good about the situation there. Yeah, and then this is this this progress this process of going from I'm just doing this for fun. While these times matter, I've got a lot of potential. That I would assume continued and magnified at Florida State, and then at that point you decided, all right, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this like all my attention, or is it, or were you running and progressing, but still it was like part of what you were focused on. Yeah, I think running was still like at that point in time was still something that I just did just to just to get a free education, right? Um, and that's not to say that I didn't work hard. It's just that the, the the pressure wasn't there to say that I have to go to the next level. Yeah. Um, and you sort of fast forward to my junior year being in Tallahassee, and I'm this five foot six guy that's the new recruit. And I'm um, supposed to help FSU sprints be like a lot better. And there was a certain amount of pressure. Um, and <laughs> I never trained that hard. When I say I never trained that hard, I'm saying that the coaching I'd had leading to that wasn't great coaching. So even though I'd run well, I hadn't received good coaching. So I yeah. got to like Florida State and Ken says to me, you have six times 300 meters, which is like, three quarters of the way around the track with 90 seconds rest. I'm like, dude, what do you mean? I've never run over 150 in practice. Like this is crazy. Right. So for me, mentally, there was that part of it that I had to get over because I, I hadn't um, faced that ever from a training standpoint. And I, and I didn't know how to train. Like you, you have to know how to train, right? Cause if you run your, your first rep too fast, then you, you're probably not going to do well. Like, like, like the rest of the reps. So, so yeah. I had to learn on how to train but then there was this pressure from being this recruit that had to um, that had to run fast and save the you know you know program if you want to call it that from a you know, sprint standpoint. So I struggled my junior year. Um, I struggled all year until maybe like you know regionals when I started running well and I ran well one meet the the whole year. But um, unfortunately for me, it was the the meet before nationals. By the time that I got to nationals, um, my 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 body was just done. Hmm. How is like this, this may be a, a dumb question, but like sprinters you're loved, do they just run and then it's like, hey, this is how I run and I'm fast? Or does everyone have to learn the same mechanics of like, hey, you might be running fast, but to get to be elite, you're gonna have to like, I don't even know what it is, move your arms, move your legs exactly the same way as everyone else, or is there a very a lot of varieties of of how people yeah. do that? So actually, that's a that's a great question because um, I think I think the first thing is that I think different people based on body types and some other things we all have different levels of talent. Number one, right? Um, but the second thing is that the technical aspect is what starts to make a difference and what separates you from being, you know, like good talent to being the potential world class, right? So definitely having the right type of coach that understands how to get you there, right, is what you need. And running is not about who, who, who can run like the hardest. You have to be an efficient runner, right? And um, I'm always telling people that the fastest races that I ever run were the races where I was, everything was under control and it felt extremely easy and it didn't feel fast. So when, when people talk about the in the twilight zone, right, just think about being in Stuttgart at the, um, I think it's Stuttgart, right? At the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and there are 40,000 people and you're running 
and you don't hear a single thing the whole race. But as soon as you cross the you know, finish line, you know, all of a sudden you, you realize that the people there, right? And when you look at sports like basketball or even football, where they talk about for a quarterback, the game gets easier when things slow down. It's literally the same thing, right? So yeah. things that you do while at seem extremely easy. The, the moment you feel like you're putting in a lot, like too much effort, you're not doing it like the right way. Right. Yeah. So um, that's. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but you're bringing me back to golf. I've, I've try, been trying to start playing golf lately and it's like every once in a while I hit a good shot and it feels so effortless. And then yeah. the more I try to recreate it, I can never get back to that shot again because I'm probably just trying harder and everything. But so I never. Really, <laughs> right. It's interesting. Something with so much effort would kind of be that 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 same approach. What's the like, were you average height? Were you a little bit shorter than most sprinters? Like, is there a, is there a standard of like, hey, most guys are this height? Yeah, no, I've I've always been one of the shortest guys out there ever. Um, I, I think maybe you could even argue that I might be the shortest guy ever to make an Olympic final in a yeah. 200 meter dash. So I've always been like on the shorter side. And is Definitely. that generally because everyone has the same technique, but you just have to take more steps? I mean, is that or <laughs> what's the what's the what's the difference of of, of height? Yeah, so 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 speed, right, is a combination of distance covered plus you know power, right? So I was naturally bouncy, right, springy, right? But I had to get stronger in the weight room because if I was stronger, the more force I applied onto the, the ground, the more distance that I would cover, right? So it's not one of the situations where I'll sit there and say, well, I'm five foot six, Usain Bolt's six foot four. I'm pissed off that I'm five foot six, that I, can, I, I never have a chance of meeting him. Well, the guy broke the world record on me, but... There are a lot of guys that were a lot taller than me that I beat handily on any given Sunday, right? So it's just you just work with what you have, and you know, yeah. um, you know, yeah. Not, not to go too far into this because I definitely want to get to the business stuff, but like, what's that? What's that like? You mentioned the Usain Bolt, so that was in the uh, 2008 Olympics, right? He he, he shattered yeah. the record. You finished fourth. I guess you you missed bronze by what 0.24, which seems that's the other thing about sprinting, which seems so crazy to me is like. I don't even know how to quantify it. I don't know how someone would say, oh, you know what? I think I'll just, I'm going to be, you know, a, a fraction of a second faster. And then, like, what's that like? I guess the first, there's two questions. One is, what's what's that like when you're dealing in such small increments of time, the difference between, I mean, you must know when you start, right? You must know, oh, that wasn't the optimal start. So for sure, I'm 0.1 or something behind. And then I'm going in this competition. It's so It's so hard. And then what's it also like to have someone where you're one of the best in the world, but there's someone who's just so much faster within the context of like so much faster. Like I, I, that's the thing that I can never quite wrap my head around. Even when I watch the races and I see everyone running and you see the person in like last place and you're like, that dude is so fast, but there's still like, that's one of the 12 fastest. I don't think there's 12 people to race, whatever. That's one of the 12 fastest people in the world. But the first person is so much faster. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. How, yeah. um, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, I just wanted, I always wanted to know, like, what's that like? Like, just a split second separating this level of success from that level of success. It's, it seems crazy to me. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great question because um, it sort of goes back to what you asked earlier about being technical. And I think that's where you start to see, like, the differences, right? Where if you're technically sound, then you're shaving off microseconds, right? All the milliseconds, I should probably say, right? And that adds up um, over, um, you know, 200 meters, right? Um, yeah. You know, if you're stronger in the weight room, if you, if you slack in the weight room, right, and you're not as strong as you um, possibly could be, with each step that you take, you're losing that much. And that's where those differences come, right? So, you know, in, in sort of how you um, apply this to daily life, it's almost like saying that pay attention to the details, and every little thing that you do counts, right? When you sort of hear about NFL coaches that are just um, meticulous about every little detail from what the players eat, what time they it's lights out, right? All those things make a big difference. And there's no one thing that I can point to and say, this is the reason, this is the reason why I was in that final, the reason why I, I, I was fourth place. But it's a combination of different things that almost have to align at the right time. And part of that is there's a bit of luck, right? Um, there's a bit of luck. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. Yeah. So in, in terms of that, I think just 
preparing for the moment, doing all the little things you got to do to prepare for the moment. I mean, just think about it, right? You spend four years preparing for a race that lasts about 20 something seconds, right? If I go back to um, 2004, uh, on paper, I was the seventh fastest guy in the world, right? But I went to Athens and I just bombed out of the second round. And I remember sitting there with, with Ken saying, if we have some sort of plan, right, in four years, we may have an opportunity to be in an Olympic final, right? May have yeah. an opportunity, right? And during that four-year journey, so many things, you know, went wrong from having like a Nike contract, losing that, having a horrible year in 06. And then in 07, when I was finishing up grad school, I said to myself, you know what? You have one more year. Just go back to having fun, right? And I went back to that notion and, you know, things just worked out um, like in a certain way. Um, yeah. And then to sort of answer your your question around knowing that you have this person that's that much better, right? Um, and people ask me all the time, like, dude, like you were, you were fourth place. All this, I'm like, well, in the actual race, I was sixth, but there were two guys that were DQ'd. But track for me allowed me to get a free education. I've been to 46 different countries. I mean, it's every kid's dream to be sponsored by Nike. Now, being sponsored by Nike is not like me being, being um, LeBron James, but I could get free Nike gear, right? And I got a little bit of money. So, yeah. And then I went to two Olympic Games. And then I was, in, I was a flag bearer for my country, which is such a huge honor, right? Which at that point, yeah. I didn't realize until you sort of see people um, around you get excited about seeing you, and you realize that it's bigger than you, right? And then I got a chance to run against the fastest, fastest guy in the world, made an Olympic final, and I got fourth place. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. it, it's, it's exceeded expectations for me, right? So beyond a free education, everything else was just a bonus. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah. And what an incredible career. And, and, you know, just the going from, yeah, this is fun. I'll do it all the way to there is, uh, is unbelievable. So what, when was the, like you went from, you know, it's just something I do for fun to, Hey, I really want to go for this. If we can put a plan together, I think we can really get into that final in, in 2008. And then, you know, athletes, you know, it's not a forever lifespan. Right. And so it's yeah. like, all right, this is, and especially in a sport where it's, you know, every two years, every four years, or, you know, yeah. uh, the, the contests are, or spread out. What were you, um, was it right after that or, or a couple of years after that where you're like, all right, um, it's time to figure out what's next. Yeah. So, um, I, I think, I think, um, the sort of, the sort of education piece, which I, I keep mentioning was, was always something that was, um, um, important to me. Yeah. Um, and I was always planning for, life after track, right? Did my um, degree in accounting finance, got my MBA. Um, and, and even after 08, um, joined Deloitte for, for a few months until I got like a different sponsor. And I went back to like writing track. But I was thinking about life after track. And um, it was after 2012 when, um, I, again, as you said, like nothing's guaranteed. Made an Olympic final in 2008, four years later, I, I, I could barely run like a fast race um, because of injuries and, you know, I was a little bit older and it was just a struggle. Um, but that whole time I was always thinking about life after track, right? Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was something that was very central to me. And even when I finished running, you know, I still didn't have it figured out. What about like, so it's interesting as you were saying that I was jotting down, um, like accounting, I guess what, one question is like, what, why accounting? What, what was, what made you want to focus on that for me? Right. For me, I would have like I couldn't have, I would anything to do with like accounting or numbers or, you know, anything like that. I didn't want any part of it. I wanted like the, um, I wanted stuff where it was like, at least in, in college where it was like, give me a class where it's an essay. Yeah. I'll take it. Anything where there's a right or wrong answer. I'm going to struggle a little bit with that based on, you know, I don't know, effort, attention span, whatever it is. Um, but I noticed yeah. like, so it's interesting because in, in, in track, you're used to these very small adjustments and, and seeing how like these little things can have a big effect and accounting in a way like is another opportunity to apply that same, you know, yeah. process, right. Of like numbers and this small change can have a big outcome. And so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and, and this sort of goes back to my history going, uh, growing up. Right. Um, I, I, I grew up in, in a household where my, my, my dad was um, involved in business at a very, 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 very early age. I think my my dad, as he claims, 
lasted about half a day at a job and then he just walked out because it just didn't make, make any sense for him. Um, and then back home, you know, you, you're, you're, you're sort of thinking about what you want to do is structured by what people have done, um, which leads them to having good, um, good um, um, careers, right? And my mom's sister was a CPA pretty much and she had done well for herself. And anybody you saw that was in that space was doing well. And I was good at math. Um, I took um, um, accounting courses and I did well at those. So it just made sense for me to go ahead and do that, right? Um, yeah. So that's, that's why I, I sort of landed doing that. And I think part of it now that I have my own kids is that we, we are limited by the lens, lenses of our parents because they know what they know and they don't know what they don't know, <laughs> right? So yeah. I, you know, I wish I had known other things that were out there that I could have done, but I was good at it and I liked it for the most part. So yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sort of okay with that. Um, yeah, Korea, I should say. Although with kids, I have a son. It's true too that like you could you could tell them what else is out there and what else there is to do. But the same way that you know we wouldn't we we, we just listen differently when we're kids, right? So it's like it's kind of I think it's one of the weirdest things of having having kids and getting older is you're like, huh, okay, I, like everyone told us this would happen. Like one day you'll realize this, and one day you'll realize this, and you'll be doing the same thing. Yeah. To you. And it's like just such a trip how that um. How that does come into play, and you're—I mean, I was when they saw it. I'm like, listen, I'm telling you, I thought the same thing you did. I, I would have never believed anyone if they told me, "Hey, just listen to me now." And he's like, "Okay, okay," but like, his brain's just like, "But I don't care. That's, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's right, or I'm not ready to listen to that." So it's, um, yeah, no, that's that's really uh, that's really interesting. So what was um, what what was the ne- what was next? Like, what was your um, what was your what did you decide to to, to, to really do. focus on and what kind of took you to to kind of co-founding this uh, this company yeah so um so I got married in 2012 um, and we moved to Chicago um, so my wife's company was based out of here and when I got here I was you know again I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next um, and then um, when I was back in Tallahassee, um, and, and I'm, I'm thinking back, I, I'm thinking this is back to when we're posting like on, on Facebook or maybe e- e- even on Twitter, it's probably Facebook. And I would post something and I'll put in hashtag athletepreneur, right? So athlete entrepreneur, because I've, I've always thought as an entrepreneur, cause I grew up around that I grew up with my dad in business. And even when, when I was 16, I used to go to my dad's business and work in my dad's business. So I, I, I'd always known that I would end up in something around business and I'd call yeah. myself an entrepreneur. So my co-founder and now buddy Mike came to me and said, listen, um, I think this whole entrepreneur concept can be something that we can work with. Right. And he said to me, by the way, I bought the domain. <laughs> right. It's like, all right. So this guy kind of, <laughs> you know, got me with the hook. Um, yeah. But it was fine because, you know, having something when you don't have a product doesn't mean that there's anything there. Right. So, so fast forward to 20, about 2013, 2014. And Mike and I had always been trying to figure out what to do with that, um, that name, I should say. Right. Yeah. And so this is just, a, this is a friend, this is a friend you had where you would kind of say, Hey, I've got these ideas. I'm thinking about this. You'd toss ideas off each other. And then. So, 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 so Mike was actually on the FSU track team. He, he, he was a bit younger than me. So like I sort of knew Mike, we didn't interact that much. But him and a buddy of mine who was my roommate had went and started a company called NoteLog, right? So, so think back to 05, 06, companies that were helping kids with notes, I think. Um, and they ended up building something. And um, and I think the company was sold off um, maybe in 07, 08. Um, you know, so, so Mike had sort of gone down that path. Yeah. Uh, and we fast forward to 2013, um, 2014. We're still trying to figure out what to do with it. We, we had a, a good name, but we'd have a you know product. And we managed to, to get into a, um, an incubator in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and we went over there and we were there for like three months. And probably about three weeks into it, we sort of realized that there was nothing we could do with it. So we had to pivot. And we came up with something totally different, a um, company called Modo, which was, uh, you know, when everybody was calling everything an Uber for something, right? Yeah. <laughs> we came up with an Uber for like long care. Um, and we raised some money, 
Um, unfortunately, when that ended, I had to come back to Chicago because I was expecting like my first child. And Mike went on and joined another tech incubator in Seattle. Um, and, you know, it, it, it just sort of died like a natural death, right? I should probably yeah. say. Um, so we went to tech incubator thinking we could turn entrepreneur into something, but there was nothing. And we came up with a different company. Um, but the whole concept of entrepreneur was always in the back of our minds because we, you know, we sort of knew that those values, especially when a lot of athlete stories that we hear about with them trying to go into business and they end up getting broke and trusting like the wrong people. Um, and, and it's a difficult problem to solve because uh, a lot of that comes back to trust, right? And then um, then fast forward to about two or three years ago when the incident we started having conversations around NI, um, NIL. NIL yeah. And we revisited and we're like, well, I think that there sort of might be something there. Um, and then probably about a year and a half ago to two years, um, realized that everybody was focusing on marketplaces, right? You know, I'm, I'm going to be a quasi, you know, rep, be an agent, I should probably say, and I'm going to help you find deals. And that's what, that's what everyone's doing. Um, but, um, unfortunately for us, we're able to see that the people that would actually make money off this are the top 1%, right? Not everybody is going to make money off this. Um, but, but the one thing that kept, kept coming up, and this is based on conversation we've, we've had with different people, was that athletes lack financial literacy, right? So we started peeling back and saying, how do we help them with financial literacy? How do we help uh, an 18-year-old an get equipped with tools they can use um, when they graduate, when they're 23, 24 years old, right? Um, I sort of think back to my own time in college at you know Truman State where we walk out of a history class and I see like my friend Tara signing up for, for a credit card. And I'm nudging him like, yo, like you, you don't have a social, like why are you doing that? And she, and she just said to me, just hush and just sign, just sign the paperwork. So I did it and I got my first credit card. And my first purchase was, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember those BMG CDs, like buy one for, I don't oh, know. Yeah. You can never right. cancel it. Yeah, yeah, they just keep yeah, going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to bought like a whole bunch of those. And I don't know how credit cards work. And all of a sudden, I, I'm in credit card debt, right? So it's yeah. something that I went through. And I and if I had known better, I probably wouldn't have you know done it. Um, so, so, so I knew that financial literacy is a, is a real problem with um, um, not just athletes, um, but we decided to take it from, from an athlete standpoint. Um, yeah, and, and 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 speaking to to different people too, we also let that universities typically now they just let athletes take a class once a year. It's a ninety minute class, and they just check a box, right? And you know these kids are probably in classes, um, these classes on you know on their phones, and no one really takes anything out of these classes. So yeah. we thought that this this was a problem worth us solving, especially that classes if, to understand the the NIL program and like how it works, or just to, you know, just general just general. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. Jeez. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I, you know, so, so we felt like the universities aren't doing the best job in, 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 in teaching kids about financial education and preparing them for life after college yeah. per se. Yeah. It's interesting. So, so yeah, that, that time between our original idea where mm-hmm. you just can't explain to someone like, Hey, this is like, I'm solving this. I know there's this area that has a problem that needs to be solved. And it's frustrating because you don't want the follow-up questions. You get kind of get frustrated. They don't get it, but you also can't verbalize it clearly. Um, and then eventually you get that point where you're like, aha, this is the, this is the problem I'm solving. This is, I've identified a problem. I can explain what it is now. It's easy for people to understand. And that, and sometimes it feels like, why can't we go back and, and do that from the beginning? But you can't, right? You have to go on that journey of like exploring. You don't have to, but I think you know, it's the difference between people that do or don't. A lot of people give up at that point because they can't figure it out. And some people just, no, I'm going to stick with it, whether it's, you know, front of mind or back of mind, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to have conversations. I'm going to, you know, I, I still see something. And then you finally get to the point where you can, um, where you can see it. What was the, like, what was the timeline? Like how much times in between kind of this first general, I want to do something in this space to getting to the point of like, aha, like financial literacy and, and, and helping with that is really what we should be focused on. 
Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I like what you said, because I, I've never sort of took a step back to think about the journey and where we've sort of started. Right. And, um, and if I'm spot on, it's probably about 14, 15 years in, right. Yeah. Um, but you don't realize that you, you put in that much time, but even in between that time, it was stop and go because life will happen. Um, I was working, I went to Amazon, I worked in different companies in financial services, but each time you'd come across something that this says to you, this is what, this is what we need to do because the problem is there. We just got to find the right situation. Um, so yes, yeah, so there's been a lot of start and go over the past 10 plus years. And I think we've reached where um, we understand the exact problem that we're solving when I think there's an actual need for what we are trying to do right now. Yeah. And what is that? So once you identified the problem, one, what was the what were the first steps in saying, hey, I know we've been talking about this for a while. Um, we've gone through an incubator, we've gone through this process, but now now's our opportunity. Now we've got to just, you know, define it and and get to work right away. What was that process like? And then what um what what is what is athlete plus? Like what did you what what did, what is the uh the end product of all this? Yeah, so um so I'm I'm very grateful for the experience we we went through through the incubator because I think you start to understand how um, important it is to speak to the customer, right? Um, and then, you know, and then make sure that your um, assumptions uh, or your thesis is um, aligned with their needs, right? Um, you know, and, 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 I, and I think to sort of sum up Athlete Plus, right? I think we are mission-focused and we want to build equitable farm finance and monetization of products that level like the playing field for all athletes right if we're talking about um you know if it's female athletes if it's um people of color we're trying to make it equitable but at the same time we want to equip these people with tools that um allow them to be able to um walk into life post-college and not have to call mom and dad to co-sign their first um apartment in new york city because they have bad credit right there's no reason why these kids can't learn about finance at the age of 18, right? Um, and, and it's a problem that we find, um, especially with kids of color, because their parents, to a certain extent, haven't been um, exposed to financial, uh, financial education. Yeah. I mean, it's a big problem. I mean, I, I remember getting out of college, and I just, it's kind of a similar experience with the credit card. Like, you just don't, you get it, but yeah. your mind's not thinking the right way. You get, oh, I've got access to this. Well, why would I have access to this if I wasn't going to use it? I might as well use it. They want me to use it. They've given it to me, you know, and it's just like, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, somewhat embarrassing, but I, you know, I was fortunate and then I was like, had parents where I'm like, Hey, fucked up again. Um, I have no <laughs> way to pay, you know, and I had a job and everything. But I, was like, I just can't, what do I do here? They would, they would help me out. And I was just like, and, like yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. but I, it's, um, yeah, especially like credit score. I had no idea what a credit score was. Even just, I was like, you get to the end, you're like, Oh shit. Like this. So these, you know, the earlier, I, I totally agree. The earlier people can understand, hey, these little decisions now start affecting you. If someone had just said that, it would have been like, it seems so obvious. It's another one of those things. It seems so obvious later. But the time yeah. if someone said, hey, every time you miss your credit card payment or you max out this thing or you do something, you know, take this one, transfer it over this one, you're hurting your credit cards. You're hurting your, your credit score. Yes, and my follow-up question would have been like, I don't need a credit score in college. <laughs> then they would have been, you know, and if someone had said, no, but you will. So it was definitely... um. You know, I think those are the best kind of problems. And I think it's, I always get excited when I have an idea and I, and I, maybe it's like, oh, I get so excited and then, and then it doesn't turn out the way I wanted initially. But I love like a few years later feeling like something reminding me of it and just feeling like the same level of conviction and being like, wow, this is a problem that won't go away, that keeps existing. That, you know, so that's, um, no, that's exciting. So, so what, um, like how has how has that been going? When did you when did you guys get started? Like what's the uh, yeah what's the day to day? Yeah, so so um so Effy Plus has been around now for like about a year, um, like a year and a half, I'll probably say. We are currently in, in the middle of fundraising right now. Yeah, um, we we we've had um, conversations with athletes, the, the universities. Um, unfortunately, to sort of build the the right type of product that we need, right? Um, and think of Athlete Plus as a you as a USAA for athletes, right? We need to raise a certain amount of money to go out and build like the MVP. Um, yeah. And that's the point that we're at right now. And um, fundraising is coming along well. Um, we've had a few introductions. 
we've had a few people get in touch asking us to help them with um, finding deals for athletes, but we literally tell them like, this is not what we are trying to do. Right. Yeah. Though I, I, I do think that down the line with, with, with some of the things we have in our roadmap, there are ways where we'll be able to get um, NIL deals for the 99%, right? Not for the, not for the starting quarterback for Alabama. They can go out and get like a million dollar deal. We'll be able to help everybody else to get something, be able to connect those people with different brands. Um, you know, um, if, if I think back to when I was in college, um, I used to get an $800 check. Right. And I used to live off the $800 comfortably. When I speak to my former coach now, and he's at, um, at one of the power five schools, um, he's in the SEC and he sort of talks about how the typical power five student athlete probably makes about 30 grand every year, right? On top of getting 16, 17 meals paid for by the school um, weekly, right? So the question is, what are these kids spending their money on, right? How can we even help them to start learning how to not necessarily put money away, but to say, listen, maybe putting away 10 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month towards like a Roth IRA, right? So they start building up those habits early on and see that compound over time. By the time they get to their first job where they, they go from making 30 grand a year as a student athlete, right? Now the first job they're making 60, 70 grand a year. Now those habits have been built built in. Now they should be okay, um, you know, as they go through their adult life. So I think we're trying to make sure we come in early, right? There might be an opportunity coming even as early as, you know, high school and start building those habits um, for some of these kids. Yeah. It'd be interesting if there's almost like a layer you could put before deals, right? Where you kind of like, well, you, I don't know, but like, it got me thinking of like, it'd be, it'd be interesting if there was like, hey, in order for this deal, in order to accept this deal, you have to understand these things. And we're going to verify that on both sides. Like the, the sponsor wants to know that you understand this and, and, and are taking these steps and are, you know, fiscally responsible. And then, the, and then here it's, it's good for you. And so it's, that would be, that would kind of be a interesting space to be in. So fundraising, like my fundraising experience has always been like, when you look back, you're like, Oh, I didn't mind the nose. No, I didn't mind the process. It was great. You know, as these people didn't get it. But at the time it's like, you know, fortunately I've got a short memory, but it's like, it just drives you crazy. And it's like a, and it's always that, um, you know, I got a lot of friends and people I talk to where it's like, you, it's hard to figure out. I think one of the hardest things to figure out as an entrepreneur is like, when am I getting closer? And when am I not getting closer? You know? And like, and I've got, uh, I've got a good friend who's always like, he gets excited about every no, you know, cause he's like, Hey, the huge ideas, the, the, the best companies, no one got it. And it's like, well, okay, that's true. But the majority of people that got no's are not the big, are not the great company. So you've got, are, you know, is the message not right? Are you going to tweak something? And then it was, uh, you know, for me, like, I remember I was, I was ready to give up. Like I was like, I don't, I just, um, this was for, for Zappos way back when I was like, Everyone I've I've gone to every meeting and everyone has said no. And then it was just kind of like a Hail Mary, like, ah, try this guy. And I think actually my my attorney at the time was like, try these guys. If they're investing in anything, so they won't invest, I would say it's time to move on, right? And I get to that point and then they they agree to invest. And it's like, it's a weird um, I think it's a really interesting thing to that entrepreneurs navigate where you're you're in the process, but you're never quite sure where you are in the process. How has how has that been? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually grateful for for having Mike as my co-founder um, because I think having him give me that balance, right? You know, um, I have a family; he you know, doesn't. And um, for me, sometimes it's like, should I carry on or should I stop? Um, but I think sort of back to to like what you said uh, about your friend, right? For 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 for, for every no that you get, right? I guess it feels like you're one step closer to a yes. Um, but what you don't realize is that these people that you speak to also open up doors to other people. And it may not be opening up a door today. It might be six months later, right? I mean, we're having a conversation with somebody that mentioned someone and we realized that we actually met with this person six months ago. We, we went back to our emails and, what she, and, she, and she said to us that we should connect with some other person that this person wants to connect, connect, connect us to. So it's like yeah. getting that sort of um, 
um, um, endorsement from two or three different people towards that one person will certainly help us, right? Um, you know, I, 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 I still look at this as being like an athlete and staying the course, right? When I think of, and, you know, and I sort of hate back going to being an Olympic athlete, right? But when you train for four years and you have an, an ultimate goal, but knowing that there are bumps and rolls along the way. And, I, and I'm not just saying this is a cliche. I'm saying this because I lived it, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes you, you have to be resilient and stay the course um, and, you know, you know and, and just know that times there's a bit of luck. You're in the right place at the right time and somebody overhears something and they take a keen interest and they decide to give you the money that you want, right? So it's, it's never a guaranteed formula. I think there's work that's put in to get you ready for that moment, but then also there's a bit of luck that comes into play. Right? Yeah. What do you think as far as like, as an athlete, obviously, and especially to get to the level that you were at, you, you got incredible amount of determination, right? So more determination than the average person, more optimism than the average person, and more self-belief, right? Because you believe, hey, I can do this. And, and you've got that drive to be like, well, I don't think sleeping all day is going to get me where I need to, you know, I'm going to, but then there's also that like, I, this is my body. And if I do the work and I make it go, I can achieve these results, right? And then you transition into a field where it's like, like, I, I always thought UFC was tough, right? Because like, it's not like beat this guy, then you get this guy next and it's a tournament and you can control your own destiny. It could be like, all right, great. You beat this guy. You were amazing. Uh, there's another fight next weekend. We've already forgotten about you. Uh, yeah, you're not going to work out. So you can't like take that next step, right? Which is a little bit more similar to business where you're like, okay, I've got everything organized. I can explain this clearly. Everyone would agree this is a problem, but I still got to wait for someone else to take the meeting, make a decision, um, see the vision. Like, do you think, you know, having that like, hey, I'm going to put all this work in for the next four years. That's when the next Olympics is. That gives you a certain amount of patience as well. So how do you balance that, like, you know, the patience you learn as an athlete and determination with, like, the sudden lack of, I can't do all this myself? Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I, I sort of think that um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big believer in that you, you are who you are because of the journey that you've been on, right? Like, if I was to look back at the mistakes I've made, I wouldn't change anything, right? So I'm saying that for you to understand that, Everything you go through life has a learning lesson from it. But as long as you balance with being realistic about where you are um, in your life, right? So for me, I couldn't be out there saying that I'm doing this all the way through when I can't provide for my family, right? So you, you have to be able to maintain that balance. And luckily for me, I'm in a situation where I can do both, right? If this, if we go out and raise money at midnight, I'm doing this full time. <laughs> right. So, yeah. um, you know, so I mean, you know, have a plan, right. But also be re- realistic about your plan, knowing that you aren't learning certain, certain things in your life fall to the wayside, right. You can't be out there trying to raise money and you don't have a roof over your head, right. That's not, how do you show up to a meeting or for a call when you don't have internet or if you don't have, or you're not clean shaven, right. Does that make sense? Like there's gotta yeah. be some sort of balance that you need to reach as you go through that journey. Right. It's not all or nothing, I should probably say. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I always I always think that um, you know, you've got to be able to focus. And so if you if you are taking on like stresses or or not yeah. taking care of things you need to take care of, that's gonna decrease, you know, that's gonna create more uncertainty, right? And the only way you can, you know, stability is what creates yeah. more certainty, which gives you the opportunity to focus. I think it's always important for people to to be like, it's not even I mean. I think self-awareness of where, where everyone is in the process is, is important, right? Um, yeah. Because that's what allows you to adapt and see slight changes, which could, which, which, which could happen. But yeah, I, I think that's, um, that's like, you can't force things, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you can't force yourself into like, Hey, I, um, despite this, this, and this, I'm you know, this is what I'm doing. I think it just creates that, creates that stress. So I think it's, um, I don't even. I don't even know what I'm what I'm saying at this point. That wasn't very. That wasn't very clear. But it's like. No, no, but, but I, I, there's I, that I, difference. Yeah, I, I, listen. I I think it makes sense, right? And when when you, when you talk about forcing things, right? I'm gonna go back to my athlete days, where you know I don't know if you remember earlier. I said the the fastest races came the easiest, and I go and when and when I talk to people about my my worst races, 
I could feel every inch of my body trying. I'm trying to muscle my way through. Yeah. And that's why I was saying that even just in life, like if you feel like you're putting in too much effort to do something, just take a step back and say, it's an easy way of getting this done. And it typically is. Yeah. Right. And then figure that out and then, and, and then do that. Right. That's a great point. And even it's, it's also that if you assume that the, um, everyone you're speaking to, whether you're trying, you know, whether it's a client or investor and everything is the, the wind or the resistance, right? When they, when they see that you're tense and that you're like, just kind of like a little bit, which for me, I'm generally, you know, I'm always like, Hey, talk slower or, yeah. you know, but I just get so like that, but, but people can tell. So I, I really think there's something there. It's a great point you made of like, if you're relaxed and at peace and you know, you've, you've done the work, you know, you, um, you, you know, you understand what you're doing forwards and backwards. And people sense that, you know, they sense the, the calmness and the clarity and that gives them more confidence and that makes the process go a lot yeah. smoother. They can sense when someone's open to, Hey, you know, what about this? Would you like, you know, this introduction or that introduction versus when someone's so uptight or agitated or like, you don't get it. So it's really, it's yeah. really, I mean, this, this, this podcast is really about a uh, Zen. Okay. This is a Zen the Zen, uh, you know, finding that Zen, whether it's physically or mentally, and then yeah. the effect that will have on the, on the world around you. Yeah. You, you know, it's, I mean, that's another great point because, um, so one of the things that I'm trying to do next year for, for 2023, one of my, my, my personal goals is that, um, I'm trying to speak more, right. Um, you, you probably haven't noticed if you did, it was very slight, but I grew up with a speech, um, impediment, Right. I had a stutter, so I've never been comfortable in public speaking, right? Even yeah. though when I'm around smaller crowds, I'm okay. Um, and sort of finding that calmness, right? Like right now I'm talking to you, like I'm at ease. I'm, 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 I'm trying to find um, a space or figure out how I can do the next year and go out there and speak to people because you know, so many times I speak to people about different things. And as I said to you, I don't lead with my story. But when we get there, you know, people are like, wow, you know, that's a great story. You should speak about it. And especially like when I meet kids, I say, look at me, dude, like I'm five foot six. Like if I can, you can. Right. Yeah. And, and earlier you talked about self-belief. Um, so I sort of use that and I want to be able to use that next year. Um, to tell my story, but I got to be able to find that, that w with, with, within speaking, be able to find that peace that allows me to be comfortable to speak in front of, if it's 20,000 people, 30,000 people. Right. So that's, it's one of the things that I'm going to challenge myself to do next year. Um, yeah. and, you know, and have fun doing it. Right. Yeah. And be authentic about my story, I should say. That's awesome. I mean, obviously, I mean, your story is unbelievable. The accomplishments are unbelievable. Um, and I thought you've got a great, a great style of speaking. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice anything. So I think that it's, um, yeah, it's, I mean, that's a, that's a no brainer. I think, you know, one, one interesting thing, which I was looking at before we started talking, but now I think it really does tie into this is like, I was at first, I was like, this doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't make sense that your fastest time in the hundred, like if you, if you doubled your fastest time in the hundred, it would be slower than your fastest time in the 200. Right. And I'm like, at first, I'm like, that can't be right. And then I'm like, well, no, I guess it takes a while to get up to speed. And I think that's just the same, you know, that's a really yeah. important lesson, I think, for people and entrepreneurs in general. It's like, hey, the first half is always going to take longer yeah. and it's going to take more effort and there's going to be more resistance. Yeah. And then you're going to find that place where you're at top speed and you're able to run much faster over the second half of the distance. So I think that's a... Um, I don't know what made me, made me think of that, but I think, I think you've got an amazing, amazing story to tell. And I think you would uh, be a natural, a natural Thank speaker. You. So I think that's a, you know, Thank you. Thank you. yeah, that's definitely yeah. something, definitely something you should do. Thank you. And, and to go, to go back to like what you just said, right. You got to find your rhythm, just find your rhythm and everything just comes easy. Find your rhythm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You can't like, force it. It doesn't like you, you might want to get top speed, but if it's going to take you a hundred meters to get there, um, you're going to have to get that through that hundred meters, you know, like that's just that whole process of, of everything, whether you're, you know, an athlete and kind of evaluating deals or, or trying to figure out like, 
you know, how to set yourself up for what's next, or if you're an entrepreneur or, if, or anything, I think that's just a, a great, um, a great human lesson. And sometimes understanding the distance that you might have to go and where you actually are right now helps yeah. get to that level of peace of like, Oh, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do that to myself all the time. You know, I'll be like, shit, I'm getting old. I should be able to do this. Like if I'm working out, oh, I can't. And it's like, well, have you done this? You know, have you been slacking for this amount of time? Like, you know, do you, you should, you know, whether it's anything, whether it's eating, working, like, Hey, why isn't this happening? Did you actually, did you work hard on that today? You know, did you, yeah. did you do that? So it's um interesting. Well, anyways, I think this was a, a really interesting episode. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, was there anything um, that I didn't, I didn't ask. We didn't go over anything else you wanted to uh, to talk about. No, I mean, really, there's just um, nothing. I mean, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, it's great to um, connect with people like you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, you know, and, you know, and and in, in a funny way, right? Like the universe aligns itself like a certain way. And about a month ago is when I said to myself, I, I got to start speaking. And no. I actually went and found somebody to be my, you know, mentor. And he's done while I'm speaking. I said, listen, can you be my mentor? He's like, yeah, sure. And me doing this when Ryan sent me a message, like, wow, this is, you know, one of those first steps that can help me to get more confidence to go up and tell, like, my story. And, yeah. um, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very big on impact, right? And, you know, in 2005, I was back home. And I was walking down the street with like one of my friends and this kid walks up to me and he says to me, you're Brian Singer. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know your face, but I'm not sure where I know you from. I didn't know him. I never met him in my life before. Then he says, actually, you've never met me, but I've seen you running on TV. So this is in 05 before I even made an Olympic final. So these kids have seen me running in you know, Europe. Yeah. And, and I went home and I, and I told my mom like what happened. She said to me, you got to realize that the pedestal you're on, right? As much as you don't see it as that important, the people out there that are looking up to you. And and even if I fast, if, if I go back to how I ended up in the US, right? As much as I, I didn't want to go back to the UK, but the reason why I even thought about applying to the US was that in 98, I was in high school racing and the guy was my school captain. Um Sure, I was back home for his dad's funeral and he saw me running. Like, listen, you should consider applying to the US. We met up a few days later at his house, had breakfast, and I lost touch with him. And I found him on Facebook 11 years later in 2009. And I said to him, dude, like, without you having this conversation, none of this would ever have ever happened. Yeah. So I believe strongly in just these little things that could, that could pivot someone's life. And all it was was him putting me on that path to stop thinking about that. Yeah. And that's why even when I talk about speaking or getting my story out there, right, it doesn't need to resonate with everybody. But if it touches one or two people and makes a change to them, that's the impact that we're, that's the impact, impact that we want. Because I've yeah. seen that. And, um, you know, over the past 15 years, I helped kids from my country to get scholarships to the U.S. And I'm not helping them by... It's, it's not a lot of time on my hands, but it's just, I open up a door and they just run with it and yeah. they get a free education just like I did. Right. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. I think even to your story, you know, the other thing which we forget or everyone forgets is the impact things have on other, like even, even the friend that you reconnected with and acknowledged like, Hey, you know, that probably meant a lot to him. You know, it's probably one of those yeah. things where he's kind of washed with some sense of, of pride of like, Hey, you know, I suggested that or something. And it's even, yeah. even makes a difference to someone to hear you remembered that. Okay. You remembered that. That makes, that makes them feel different. So there's a whole bunch yeah. of, of layers to this. I, I really appreciate you. Um, you know, we first started, we, you know, you were, you had mentioned that like, you know, I, I don't love talking about the past of as much as the future. And I, it's, a, it's something that I, I'm always like, Oh, I don't want to talk about the past. I don't want to talk about like, for me, it's like Zappos back. I, I don't want to talk about that. It was a long time ago. And I feel like um, every time I talk about it, I'm, it's like I'm remembering it less and less in a way. So I'm, it's not even like the same thing. And I'm excited about tomorrow. Yeah. But what you forget, which you kind of made me realize is like, that's a little bit selfish in a way, because there's a lot of people in that story that yeah. 
that story staying alive and being talked about all the time is important to them too, you know, and it's a, it's a chance to acknowledge, like, or not even acknowledge, just like bring back memories for other people, inspire people who didn't know the story. Um, so yeah, it's really, it's really, um, I wasn't expecting that to get out of this is like looking at it like, man, it's kind of being, you kind of being, or me, I'm like thinking to myself, I'm, I've got to reconcile that in my head of like, it's not, it doesn't, because just because you talk about the past, it doesn't mean that you're not focused on the future. <laughs> you know, you've got to, you've got to, yeah. you've got to, you've got to do both. So I really, um, I really uh, appreciate um, that from our conversation. Where can, um, where can people follow you uh, if they want to, you know, learn more, find out more about you, the yeah. company? Yeah, I think I think um, athlete plus on Instagram, um, you know, Twitter. Um, my personal email is just Brian at my last name D Z I N G A I at um, dot com. Sorry, so Brian at D Z I N G A I dot com. Um, nice, awesome. Yeah. Well, anyone listening, definitely go check that out. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Lots of good stuff in there. Uh, lots of little things to get inspired and uh, you know start start moving, start running faster, and whatever it is you're you're working on. Um, and those little, those little things, whether they're from the past or the future are going to make, going to make a big difference. If you get a chance, uh, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, Brian, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, that was an awesome episode and I uh, look forward to connecting in the future. Likewise. Thank you so much, Nick.